lovely to be here. You're listening to the dollar. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Each week, I... Glasses wear. Bike rider. Listener. What? Of Manchester Orchestra. That's the best one, for sure. Dave Anthony reads a story from American history to his friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Chocolate thunder from down under means you need to see a doctor. You have diarrhea. Go and see a doctor. That's what chocolate thunder down under is. Don't put it on your fucking menu. You racist. I'm gonna do an impression. Would you like the beer? It's your whole country. That must make you homesick. March 24th, 1834. This is just another ad, guys. Relax. For Johnson and Johnson. Go ahead. John Wesley Powell. John Powell. Known as Wes. Middle name. Okay, sure. Was born in Mount Morris, New York. He was the fourth of eight children. Only one of them died. Whoa! I know, right? So they were religious. <laughs> uh, his father, Joseph, was a strict Methodist preacher. Sure. Best kind. They moved to Jackson, Ohio in 1838, and Joseph published an anti-slavery pamphlet. So his wife uh, then decided it was not safe for Wes to go to school. Okay. Because of the controversial stance. Because, yeah, the guy made an anti-slavery pamphlet, so he's, right? Like, you know, we all, all happen to all of us. If your parents were against slavery, you got beat up in school, right? Did that not happen in Australia? Oh, no, 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 we, we still have it. So, uh, 
fuck you, you racist. We don't. We've never fucking had it. That's the difference. That was the joke. Fuck you. Oh, do they still have it? Oh, we got rid of it. And now we feel good. No, we never had it. We can't tell what you have. You're saying you don't have blooming onions, and we're not sure what's happening. We've been misled. Our history's been mistaught. But yeah. Uh, so a neighbor tutored him, and the neighbor uh, was a self-taught naturalist, and uh, and he assisted in the first geological survey of Ohio. Okay. That's fucking exciting. He was a self-taught naturalist? Yeah, you'd go outside and go, that's a bird. <laughs> and he's just like looking at a cactus, like, there we go. Yeah, that's a cactus. Oh, hold on. Yep, it's sharp. <laughs> this bird is a sharp bird. And he'd, walk, and he'd be like, that's grass. And people would be like, you're good at this. And then he'd be like, go on. A self-taught naturalist. Yeah, okay. And he'd take off his pants. And he'd be like, this is super natural. <laughs> What's... Oh, I'm thinking of nudists. Huh? I was thinking of nudists. Oh, okay. West became interested in the same things as his tutor. Eight years later, the Powell's moved to Wisconsin. Yeah! Green Bay! And they took up farming. Well, you don't have many options. Yeah. See that or bowling. Pro, pro bowler? Right, you either join the PBA or you farm, yeah. 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 Just walking around going, you know, what do you know for sure? Yeah, I agree. Uh, but Joseph, uh, his father, Joseph, felt like he wasn't useful on the farm, and he had to go spread the word of God. Okay. So he just left the family. It, Joseph left the family. The dad, yeah. the dad left the family he to go like, spread I gotta, the word He was like, I gotta do God stuff. And then they were like, how do we eat? He's like, yeah. Uh, I'll talk to him when I see him. Maybe he'll send you some bounty. Um, so now Wes has to work on the farm. Okay. Um, and then he went into the sheep business. Sure. Awesome. He's hoping he can raise enough money to pay for college, which I think we all did. Yeah. yeah. Try to get a sheep business to pay for Yale. Yeah. No, that was the 1800 student loan. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Like a Pell Grant. Exactly. <laughs> but his dad found out. His dad found out about the sheep business and was furious. What? Yeah. No boy of mine! <laughs> He said debts, uh, the debts that he had incurred in the business uh, were dishonorable. He got, he incurred a lot of debt from the sheep business? Yeah, because he, 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 he took a loan to buy the sheep. So you get sheep, you don't just, how is he going to get sheep? Well, they're not sheep. <laughs> I don't mind a couple of those, you know what I mean? It's a reaction. I like reactions. I mean, that was one of the all-time greats. Sorry. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> they either didn't like the joke or someone bred a sheep with a cow. And they were just like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> the sheep go bad, the cow go moo. Anyway, I can't explain them all, but it's a pretty great joke if you write it down and think about it and then come back to it. Boo! Ah, boo, boo. Anyway, go on. His father said, uh, quote, that his course in the matter was not a whit better than highway robbery. What? So don't take loans, man. Okay. Jesus. Um, so Wes quit the sheep business and started traveling to study nature. Okay. Wow. So he, he was super into freshwater mollusks. Oh, man, look at him. Oh, you don't need salt. Look at that muscle. It's 
Hey, what are you doing? Huh? I wasn't gonna fuck it. What? 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 Get the fuck away from my mollusks. What are you talking about? Those are my mollusks. I wasn't doing anything. You were got your dick out. Because I was gonna try to save it, you idiot. What does that even mean? Oh my god, I don't have time to walk you through this. But for the last time, I wasn't gonna have sex with your mollusks. I mean, they're freshwater. I'm not even turned on by that. I mean, she has them. Don't be so shellfish. <laughs> So we got a boat and he rode the entire Mississippi River. Okay. Just checking out mollusks. Just really, you know, I fucking the mollusks? And the Ohio River. Oh boy, so he's just... And the Illinois River. Boy, oh boy. And the Des Moines River. Good lord. And a ton of other smaller streams. All alone. He did this all alone. Just just a dude. So check it out. It's mollusks. It's going make you weird. Totally. Yeah, not normal guy. Totally. Treated a lot of friends. Uh, on the way, he met other natural history and geology scholars. Because you're out there um, looking at mollusks and another dude rolls up and you're like, hey. Right. No, it's like a chat room at that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, right. it's a mollusk chat room. Um, so he made a bunch of connections and then when he was elected... Made a bunch of connections. <laughs> out there networking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mollusk networking. Yeah. Like, What's your favorite muscle? What kind of muscle? Oh man, mollusks. <laughs> I've never been with one though. I swear. What does that mean? I'm, I'm just saying. I haven't had sex with any of them. You guys, with, you guys, gonna... you guys have these eyes that keep saying that you're insinuating that I've been inside of the mollusks, and I have not. So no one's even talking about that. We okay. About oh yeah. Okay. Sure, I would love to. Okay. <laughs> My God, this day and age, thinking a man's out there trying to bang mollusks. I have better stuff to do, pal. Okay? You know what I'm not saying. Anything. I put myself through college with sheep. <laughs> but a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> Are they into me? Did you hear that there's a the hard shell? <laughs> it's a whole thing, man. Do you like that bivalve? Yeah, it's important. No women have that. Well, I'm gonna disagree. What's a woman? <laughs> so, he made these connections and he was elected secretary of the Illinois Natural History Society. Okay. One day he passed through a town in Illinois holding a basket with some glass jars in it. Okay. And a group of men asked what he was doing. <laughs> okay. You can imagine that. <laughs> and he said he needed another rattlesnake for his collection, and then he walked off into the woods. What? Say something different. I love jam! <laughs> I'm into preserves. Good to meet you, boys! But he came back later that day, he walked past the same men, and he had a rattlesnake in one of the jars. Okay. And they were like, holy fuck. And so this got written up in the local paper. <laughs> of course. 
Don't you miss the times when this was a news story? A man gets rattlesnake. <laughs> Headline, muscle fucker captures rattlesnake. Oh, I wish they hadn't said that. I was very clear to that reporter. I'm not into having sex with them. I mean, I do it. Who hasn't thought about it? Who hasn't put a little yarn wig on a mollusk and called it Sally? My God. I'll tell you as me. You probably too. Okay, just me, but still. Um, so that led to a story about Wes stating he, quote, acquainted with the homes of all the animals, knew their habits, and could at any time find any animal he wanted. Okay, great as ambitious. What if you're like Jaguar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wes I'm going to need a bigger jar, though. I kind of figure he's like the guy who says he can get every animal. Yeah. And like he can get enough animals that he, he checks out most yeah. of the time. He's like, what do you mean? I can get any animal. And someone's <laughs> like a jaguar and he's like out the back nailing three cats yeah. together. <laughs> Here you go, a three-headed jaguar. Uh, Wes enlisted uh, when the Civil War started. Uh, but he just worked on engineering projects. And in 1861, General Grant was very impressed with his work. During the war, Wes married his half-cousin, Emma Dean. Chaplin's, your half-cousin, you fucking Is that a Utah thing? Yeah. Well, by the way, that's half-not-a-cousin, so I think you're looking at it a little pessimistically. Like I, like to look, I like to say, hey, I married half of a person that isn't my cousin. That's pretty awesome. I'm going to reread this. Okay. During the war, Wes married his half-not-cousin, Emma Dean. Yeah. Well, there's nothing weird about that. That's more day and I half full. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so after that, she traveled with him during the war. So she went where he went. Sure. Classic war stuff. Was she in a jar too? She was like, Wes! Wesley! That's my mollusk. No, stop calling me that! Quiet mollusk. <laughs> uh, he was wounded on April 6th, 1862, and he had his right arm amputated. Shit, okay. That's gonna make it hard to catch any animal. <laughs> that brags over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he re remained in the army, though. Quote, Mrs. Powell was permitted to be her husband's right arm. What? <laughs> what? So I mean, what I'm hoping in that situation, it's like a theater, theater sports situation, <laughs> so in battle. She's just out there. That's right. We're like, I'm like this all the time. There's nothing wrong at all. <laughs> I love that they're like, we finally found a use for the woman! <laughs> uh, he was discharged January 1865 uh, at the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, and then he started going out west to explore Colorado and other, uh, other areas in the west. But he really, really wanted to explore the Grand Canyon. Okay. That was his dream. Quote, more than once I have been warned by the Indians not to enter the canyon. They consider it a disobedience to the gods and contempt for their authority and believe that it would surely bring upon me the gods' wrath. So he decided... Head over there. Yeah, get over there. <laughs> well, they don't want me to do it. I'm in. Yeah. Honey, we're going to have to climb down it. You'll obviously be stapled to my back. You'll be my right arm. Uh, museums and scientific societies gave money for the expedition. Okay. In spring 1869, he organized a party. 
In the group were Wes's brother, Walker, who was a tough frontierman. Jack Summer, Billy Hawkins, who had a, quote, shady reputation. A shady reputation? Uh -huh. Okay, sure. That's good. William Dunn, brothers Oral and Seneca Howland. Okay. 18-year-old Andy Hall, who had spent years already roaming the West. Okay. At 18. <laughs> sure. Classic 18-year-old. I got my GED. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sergeant George Bradley joined them uh, in a fort out West. And finally, there was Frank Goodman, who was a young Englishman, who was so excited to join that he paid Wes to let him come. Oh, that's the sad guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Wes. We had a great time. Here's that payment to be my friend. Gosh, we're tight. Gosh, we're mates. Gosh, I'm having the best time. Aren't we the best mates? Do you have the money? Yes, sir, of course. Here you are. Now say you're my best mate. Uh, yeah. What are you? Come on. Let's get going. Um, shit. I like Faulty Towers. Sorry? I like Faulty Towers. Well, what? We're in the 1800s, my man. Yeah. <laughs> We've got so much in common, best friend. Let's make a handshake. Oh, sorry. Let's not, not touch or look at each other. Oh, a silent friendship. Best, best friends in America don't talk. Ooh, well, that's different where I come from, old mate West, old chum. Gosh, I love you, best mate. God, we're the best of friends. This is why I, I love my best friend, Wes. This is why I only talk to mollusks. God, I love mollusks, too. <laughs> It's a bridge too far. <laughs> All right, I think we've really gone over the walls. Boy, this friendship's taken a weird bend, hasn't it? Who's <laughs> your weird friend over there? Doesn't say <laughs> I'm the other eleven guys standing around watching this happen. <laughs> well, that's what it felt like from here. <laughs> Uh, so they had four wood boats, 21 feet long, uh, and they were built and shipped by the railroads. They took rations for 10 months. Okay, seems sufficient. Sure. Okay. <laughs> they thought it would take three months. Uh, they had three dozen tarps, they had axes, hammers, saws, and other tools. For scientific work, they had uh, four chronometers and a bunch of barom uh, barometers, thermometers, compasses, other stuff. Sure. They camped and prepared to leave from Green River City, Wyoming. No! Okay, so no, which is interesting. No! 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 Uh, while they were there camping, a strange man approached. Hello. And said he'd been authorized by the former Secretary of War to take command of the expedition. <laughs> That's <laughs> the greatest moment. It's been eleven guys with four boats and ten months of rations are gone. I think I can fucking lead this shit. I'm in charge now. Hi, my name's Danny Ocean. We're gonna sail these to Las Vegas and rob a casino. Fuck is this guy? <laughs> He's in charge, didn't you hear? He said so. Oh, he said so? Yeah! Oh, well then he's in charge. Yeah! <laughs> so they asked him 
how he was in charge, he showed them official-looking letters to prove it. Look, I got a bunch of envelopes. This is my gang now. These have writing on them. Oh, well, his story checks out. Uh, so Wes was not there at the time, so the men let the strange guy stay. Okay. And they fed him. What? And then they loaned him money. <laughs> this is like a Mogwai situation. So, uh, thanks for the chicken. That was great. Uh, just being in charge, I wonder if you guys could loan me about $800. Is that a thing that could happen? Absolutely, boss. All I ask in return is your friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're best friends, right? Sure. All right. Live your best friend. Don't do that. Gosh. Wes is going to be heartbroken when he returns. He's my ex-best friend. He means nothing to me, don't worry. I've only got eyes for you, mate. Don't do that. You're making me not want to be in charge of the expedition. I'm sorry, I have this problem so, where I push it. So after a little, little while later, Wes came back. Hey, anything changed? And the guy, there's a guy there, and he's like, I'm in charge. <laughs> they gave me a bunch of money, too. And they were like, he's got letters. And so he showed Wes the letters. There you go. Quote, one look at the so-called authorizing letter showed them to be nothing more than polite wishes for success. <laughs> These are fortunes for fortune cookies. <laughs> good luck, chum. I'm in charge. Well, he's got the good luck chum letter, so... So Wes told the guy to leave. Okay. He had a good run, though. He got, he got food and money. Is that the end of that guy? Yeah, he's that guy just out. drops in yeah. and just has an amazing day? It was a coup. It was, a, it was an explorer coup. Yeah. A half-day coup. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So rare. On May 24th, 1869, the townspeople watched the expedition party head out. The swift current carried them off. After a mile or so, they ran into a sandbar. So, <laughs> probably, they could probably still see, the townspeople could be like, oh god, it's going horribly. They're already trapped, they're eating one of them! One of them is being eaten already! We're stuck! We get a push! Now, we're just, we just said bye! Can you walk away then? Because what are you going to do? We're going to have to take our way out. No, I mean, what are you going to do to stop us watching? Look, there's a guy over there with lettuce. Oh, my God. There's a leader, a natural-born leader. He's got a handful of papers. That doesn't mean anything. Oh, okay. Good talk. Huh? Good talk. Okay.
boats uh, that got them in a stream, uh, and they lightened the boats up a little and took some stuff out. Uh, when they tried to avoid a rock after they got back in the river, an oar broke, and then two men fell overboard, <laughs> and the other guys laughed at them, so it's good times. They just had good times in the river. So this is about, what, 35 minutes into the journey? If that. Okay. So, <laughs> it might be like 10 minutes in. <laughs> Uh, they kept heading downstream and then camped for lunch. Wes, Powell, we gotta have some lunch. Yeah, let's celebrate. Let's eat some of these ranches. Ten runs my ass. You remember when I fell over in the boat? <laughs> I know, right? Oh, we're the worst at this. Oh my god, we're all gonna die. <laughs> what? Huh? Nothing. <laughs> um, so, uh, when they set up camp, uh, we'll. Wes Powell refused to eat with them, and he sat apart from the other men, and then Cook Billy Hawkins would bring him his food. Wow, so he's got a real diva attitude. Uh, they went to bed early, because most of them had been drinking for the several nights in a row in the lead-up to the trip. Sure. Uh, and then they kept heading down the river the next day. Yeah. They were trying to buy beer at the sandbar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give a yeah. shit, guys. Hey, try. Try. Five days in, they hit their first rapids. Oh, good. Quote, I stand upon the deck of my boat to see away among the rocks. Such moments are filled with intense anxiety. Soon our boats reach the swift current and we, are, we thread the narrow passage with exhilarating velocity, mounting the high wives whose foam crests dash over us until we reach the quiet water below. And then comes a feeling of great relief. As this was our first experience with Canyon Rapids, we called it Canyon of the Rapids. Nice. So creative back then. Yeah. I mean, you didn't need to be. No, the good names no, had already right. taken at that point. You could literally just call a band the band. There was a band called the band. That was fine, because it was only like three bands. And that's fine back then. You could just go, that thing's called Orange. It's an orange. It's orange. It's, you're, you're an orange now. Yeah, he's right. Band. Who are the band? Nice. <laughs> nice. Did you come up with that? Genius. Um, so the river, the river got more treacherous as they went on. Soon we entered another canyon in the Grey Rocks. The canyon wheels back upon itself and is in the form of an elongated letter U. We not name it Horseshoe Canyon. Wow. Because yeah. U Canyon had already been taken by the crew. <laughs> Uh, they would meet Native Americans along the way who would say they would never ride the rapids. Okay. And on they went. Sure. Smart. Yep. Yep. Uh, not trust the locals. No, no, why would you? You're white. <laughs> You've got this. You've got something knowledge doesn't have. White! <laughs> I mean, why stop believing them now? You didn't believe it when they said, this is our thing. boat goes over the first falls, only 10 or 12 feet, only just 10 or 12 feet, uh, but below the river tumbles down again for 40 or 50 feet in a channel filled with dangerous rocks that break the waves into whirlpools. I see the boat strike a rock, cream, and open the, com open the compartment, uh, and the open compartment fills with water. Okay. Two of the men lose their oars, the boat swings around and strikes another rock with great force and is broken in two, and the men are thrown into the river. 
I see a man's head above the water, washed about in a whirlpool below a great rock. Okay, and we call that Breaky Bokeel Lake. <laughs> Uh, so Frank Goodman, the Englishman, is clinging to a rock, and if he let go... I'll pay you to be my friend, Rock! I love Rock! It's inanimate, it can't be your friend. <laughs> and I've given it everything! Captain Helen pulled Frank out with a pole. Uh, clearly it was getting more dangerous. They found this train in the boat storage compartment down the river, but thought it was too dangerous to try to save what was inside. This meant they would lose a cargo of rations, instruments, and clothing. Okay. Worst of all, the barometers. The barometers were needed for determining elevation. Sure. Some tells me the food will become very important. Huh? Yeah. So they have three boats, right? Now they have three. Now they have three. Yeah. And they're down a quarter of their rations. Yep. Okay. Well, hold on. The next day, Powell decided, fuck it. He was going to go for the barometers. Okay. So Sumner and Dunn volunteered to make the attempt. Quote, they come up with the barometers, and now the boys set up a shout. And I join them. Please, they, they should be as glad to save the instruments as myself. Okay. They also salvaged a three-gallon keg of whiskey. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, you guys don't give a shit about barometers, huh? Unbelievable. It turns out that the men, what the men were shouting about was not barometers, was the whiskey. <laughs> Wes didn't even know they had brought whiskey. <laughs> A keg of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> What's in that keg? Also, spare barometer. Yeah, or uh, barometer juice. <laughs> you need it to make sure they're good. <laughs> Let me fill them. So they continued down the river. That night, George Bradley wrote, quote, Dial, as usual, has chosen the worst camping ground possible. <laughs> if I had a dog that would lie where my bed is made tonight, I would kill him and burn his collar and swear I never owned him. Easy, Powell. My God. It's a diary well, entry. It's not time to talk about burning dog bodies. Wow. I mean, he doesn't like the campground. Still, I mean, that's, that's like a very Mitt Romney way of expressing what you want to do. I hate this campground so much, I'd kill and eat a dog and make a blanket out of it! Mitt Romney. I mean, imagine if this guy had Twitter. <laughs> I think I can. <laughs> Maybe I have the archetype. Do you know what Mitt Romney did? He took a vacation and he tied the dog to the roof of his car. What? Yeah, no, no. Hold on. He's going to be their next senator. Hold on. Will. No, no, no. He just, he just put the dog in a carrier onto the roof. No, what? And then drove. Yeah. Hang on. I'm not... So that's the decision-making we're after. How, how was the... Okay. He likes it. The dog likes it. What? No. It's, it's air. Dogs love air. They do. Yeah. How far was the trip? Uh, no, a couple hours. <laughs> Ten, twenty. Yeah. It's funny that there's that moment where he says, who let the dogs out, in that racially charged moment, and yet he's comfortable putting dogs on roofs of cars. <laughs> What's even cooler is that he told people, thinking that was normal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a psychopath. Please. I hope it was a Subaru. 
So needless to say, this dog analogy meant that Bradley did not like Powell's decision. Um, sure, or dogs. Or dogs. Yeah. Can you run me through the analogy one yep. more time? Yep. I got distracted by Mitt Romney and I've forgotten the original analogy. <laughs> Powell, as usual, has chosen the worst camping ground possible. If I had a dog that would lie where my bed is made tonight, I would kill him and burn his collar and swear I never owned him. <laughs> So the bed's so bad yeah. that if his dog lay there, he yeah. would so disrespect the dog that the dog would have to die. And, and then he'd deny it. Yeah. I never owned him. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Just a dead burning dog. And then everyone, no, and everyone nods and goes, oh, he doesn't like that stupid. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a bad camping. I agree, it's not great. Have you thought about an air mattress? Casper! Casper! Alright, everybody calm down. We're getting to Casper. Uh, Bradley, uh, okay, so... They can't, they also, I like my Casper mattress so much, I did not have to kill my dog. <laughs> The only mattress that will make you happy to not kill your dog and deny owning it. <laughs> we will send you 120 dogs, and if you don't kill one of them... <laughs> if you return all dogs within 30 days... Hey man, there's a, a dog ghost in my mattress. Uh-huh, yeah, that's supposed to be there. Okay, never mind. Thank you. Alright, take care! They kept having to dry rations because the rations would get wet during the day. Sure, yeah, exactly. Bradley, quote, It is none of my business, yet if we fail, it will be from lack of judgment, and if we succeed, it will be from dumb luck. <laughs> so it's a good, that's a good place to be. Yeah. Sort right. of a motto. Can we have the guy who just came with the letters back to lead us? It's also the new motto for America. <laughs> On June 16th, they made camp. Uh, a strong wind blew, and the cook's fire spread to nearby dead willows and cedars. Soon, there was a large raging fire. What are you cooking? <laughs> everything! Wow! <laughs> they grabbed everything that they could in their hands and ran for the boats as flames blew all around them. Cool, that's great. Grab the barometer keg! <laughs> Quote, the cook filled his arms with the mess kit and jumping into the boat, stumbled and fell and away go our cooking utensils into the river. Oh, cook. You clumsy dumb cook. I've got the cooking pots and the saute Right back in our tell you a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. <laughs> a three-month tour? Yeah. Uh, might be longer. Uh, our plates are gone, our spoons are gone, our knives and forks are gone. My handkerchief was burned that I had tied around my neck and my what ears the... and face are scorched. <laughs> the 
handkerchief thing is a little weak. Plus, I've lost my handkerchief. Nothing to dry my eyes with. So my bibs are gone, my serviettes as well. After the fire was over, I don't know what that means, I've never seen a fire just be over, but after the fire, okay boys, it's over. Well, no, but this is when fires used to stop. It's a different era. After the fire was over, they went to try to salvage what the cook had lost. They now only had one gold pan for making bread. The golden plate? It's not the same ones, you guys. Uh, one bake oven with a broken lid, one camp kettle, one frying pan, one large spoon, and two teaspoons. <laughs> First of all, three tin plates and five bailing cups, one pickaxe, and one shovel. That's plenty. That's plenty. That's plenty. Yeah, you just gotta have like a sign-up sheet for the spoon. The big spoon had a sign-up sheet. Alright, who's next? The spoon's up. The spoon is for you. Who wants to eat the beans? Well, I'd love to eat some beans with the spoon. Or your hands. Well, I only have one. My wife's not here. So this is for ten men. The cook now used the shovel as a spoon. <laughs> so he's Uncle Bucking it? Stirring. Stirring up the spoon. How do you guys like your soup? Uh, let me just shovel a little India, huh? I love that this story is already so weird I forgot that he only had one arm. <laughs> <laughs> like enough stuff has happened since then that I forgot the whole time. Like how the fuck's he even tying the handkerchief around his neck? That's really hard with one arm! That's why he was so heartbroken. He's like, I just got a good knot on it too. A month. Good Billy, can you give me a hand? Well, I don't know. Yeah, my wife's not here. <laughs> I mean, do you have that kind of arrangement? No man's not nice! Where a fella can touch your handkerchief? Yeah, you can touch my hanky buddy. Hanky buddy? <laughs> you know, in my tent, I got a whole collection of mollusks. <laughs> I've heard. They're night mollusks. I heard you turned them into this much. <laughs> You ever seen a pie valve? What? What? Pie valve. That's right. No? Come on over. Well, every fiber of me says that this would be a bad decision, but... <laughs> You're awful persuasive. <laughs> Zip. <laughs> Zip. to clean his teeth after our supper. What sort of psychotic behavior? What? There's just, you don't, what? No, you've never had to cross that bed. Also, the teeth attention is terrible. It's normal! 
We found a bunch of ladles of tea, so what else are we going to assume? And to be honest, they ran into a sandbar while we could still see them, so we assume by now they are definitely dead. <laughs> the leader had one arm to start with. <laughs> Things are not going to go well. And he was the best climber of the bunch! <laughs> Miss Powell, I'm sorry to have to tell you, but we, we did find two wieners tied together. Oh, no. one of the Wes's? You can take a look at one of them. Oh, both, I, I, it's oh, too soon. We actually can't get them apart, but... Oh, that's Wes, all right. Yeah. That's his wiener, all right. Just found it at the base of the cliff. Yeah. Next to a pair of pants. Are there mollusks nearby? Yeah, a whole lot of mollusks. That's my Wes, all right. I'm sorry. No, I don't think he was the right one for me. <laughs> he just kept me around to be an honor. He always asked me to be a shellfish. God damn it, don't move. <laughs> okay, just open up a little bit to let the food filter in. Snap it shut! survivor, Jack Sumner, who had told him the details of what had happened. Jack had watched helplessly from the shore as all the boats were destroyed and the rapids and the men died. He was just watching? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cool dude. A guy named John Risden told the Chicago Tribune that he was the only survivor of the party. Oh, yeah. Okay. He had a list of all the men in the party. Well, sure, he had a handful of letters. That's everything. <laughs> Including 15 extra guys who were not on the trip. Quote, the men aboard shouted to me, Goodbye, Jack. You will never see us again. For two hours, I lay on the bank of the river crying like a baby. <laughs> so Jack's just out of his mind. <laughs> the trip... The Tribune, quote, The fate of Major Powell's expedition is left without a doubt, and another name is added to the long list of martyrs to science. Sure, science yes. martyrs, that's, that's a good, good group. <laughs> Can you imagine a time when just, just such bullshit would end up in the paper and just uh, out there just as actual facts? You know, where just like some weirdo just says a bunch of dumb shit that's full of lies, and then it's just publicly reported, and then you read it and absorb it as fact. Yeah. It's crazy. In the 1800s. It's a crazy time. <laughs> no, seriously, he put a dog on top of his car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was like going like on a ski trip. Right. Yeah. Oh, she likes it up there. She's purring. It was a ski trip, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the dog had its own little ski expedition on the road. Take the dog to the snow. Dogs love, dogs love cold wind. Uh, oh, he's a hypothermic. No, they're fine. They love it. The next 
next day, the Detroit Press printed a letter from Mrs. Powell who said that the story was bullshit. <laughs> John Risen had never been part of the expedition, plus she had a letter from her husband dated a few days after Risden said everyone had drowned. Okay. Three days later, the Chicago Tribune pointed out all the problems with the survivor story, which they had printed three days before. Sure. Retractions were invented. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what we did was bullshit. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for reading. On June 28th, Powell decided to go 40 miles up a tributary river to an Indian reservation, hoping to replenish supplies. Sure, no, that's definitely cool. On June 30th, they passed through hollow domes. If they spoke, they heard their own voices echoed back. Was this the first time this has happened? Quote, we named it Echo Park. What? Hey, that's my Wow. Yep, that's where you live. Yeah. Or used to. Yeah. Powell went to the tribe, or do? Where do you live? Echo Park. Address. Powell went to the tribe, but it was not impressed with the way they were living. Okay. Quote, you know, they are so Have like, you thought of being white? <laughs> Excuse then me. you just take everything. You're not living? What are you doing? You're like in tents and running around? Look at that, they're caring for one another. <laughs> Shocking. We built cities and then make children ask for change. <laughs> we have three spoons. <laughs> Swallows big. Our armor come on the best tooth pigs in the land. <laughs> I tied my wiener to his. <laughs> Lodges and refuse to build houses. Ah, fools! Since when anyone dies in a lodge, it is always abandoned and very often burned with all the belongings of the deceased. And when houses have been built for them, they have been treated in the same way. Right. Okay. So they have a tradition to burn the place where someone has died and all their stuff. Right. Is a way to go, we're moving on. Yeah. And so when you build them a house, they will just do the same thing yeah. because it's it's a lot it's a lodging place for them, not a it's a place where that person lives. Right. He cannot fathom. No, he's like, why would you burn all your possessions when you can have a drunk chef stumble off a boat and make them all fall into the river? Right. Much better. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. The men were now having problems with Powell's leadership. What? What? Uh, why? I don't know. Uh, then Dunn accidentally dropped Powell's gold watch into the river. Was it one of these, like, whoopsies? <laughs> oh, sorry, Powell. Sorry. Sorry, bud. Sorry. Uh, sorry, not sorry. I just invented something. Sorry, sorry not sorry. 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 Not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you used to wear it on your other arm anyway. Who cares? <laughs> sorry, not sorry. What do you need a watch for? You've only got one arm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. Uh, so the watch was ruined. What? They didn't have waterproof watches back then? Crazy. Powell demanded uh, Dunn either leave the expedition or give him $30 compensation. Okay. Which would be close to $900 today. Okay. And uh, I used to pay too much for expensive watches. <laughs> Movement watches. 
watches. Oh, sorry, wrong podcast. <laughs> what about not bringing your expensive watch on the river trip? Yes. Powell's brother, uh, Walter, said if Dunn were drowned, it would be no loss. So they're taking the watch thing hard. Yeah, no, it's serious business. The other guys in the party thought that comment was bullshit. Okay. Hawkins announced he would not bring West dinner to him anymore. Whoa! <laughs> yep, shit's getting weird. Yeah. Powell wrote that the men had reached a state of mutiny. On July 5th, the Englishman who had paid to tag along decided to leave. I've decided you're not my best friend. Despite all the money I've given you. I think best friends are something you make, not pay for. Farewell. See ya. I can't swim! I've just been out of the country! So he's gone. What? Yep. <laughs> on July 6th they stopped at a, <laughs> On July 6th they stopped at a frontier man's garden who had told them if they were ever in the neighborhood they should help themselves to his garden. <laughs> he was like, I didn't mean it. <laughs> it was in bad shape because no one was tending to it, no one lived there. Right. So they decided to just eat the tops of the potato plants, which looked nice and green. Mm-hmm. Yum. Hang on, did you say the potatoes look nice and green? Yeah, just the, the top of the plants are the, uh, the top. Right. So they're just... underground. Okay. Well, one after another, the party is taken sick. <laughs> What's from, David? No. Living like Matt Damon in The Martian? <laughs> Nauseous first, then severe vomiting. We tumble around under the trees, groaning with pain. Okay. In the middle of the afternoon, we were rid of the pain. Jack Sumner records in his diary, quote, Potato tops are not good greens in early July. <laughs> oh, man. Sure. I finally written something in my journal! <laughs> I love that, like, even though he was, like, hideously sick, he's going, better do a Yelp review. <laughs> The river became worse as they continued on. On July 11th, an oar broke and another one was lost in a rapid. And those are important. Yep. Then they hit more rapids and tried to reach land, but they couldn't because they didn't have oars. Right. Again, important. The waves flipped the boats over, everyone clung to the sides, rolls of blankets, two guns, and a barometer were tossed out. Jesus. What do they have at this point? Just the spoon? Yeah, a little bit. Like a few plates and a spoon? They have some stuff. Yeah. And a toothless chef with a pickaxe. <laughs> they are essentially rowing a boat with a big spoon on one side and two teaspoons on the other side. <laughs> even, even! <laughs> and Wes has got the one arm. Powell, <laughs> uh, quote, From now on, we may sleep cold. They set up camp, waited for logs to drift by, and grabbed one to make new wars. They grabbed a log? Yeah. Okay, that made that's convenient. Sure. sure. It was sent to go out. Yeah. But it was not a great place to camp. That night, hurricane force winds blew, and they could not find shelter. The winds blew all night, blowing piles of sand over them. West Powell, July 18th, quote, The day is spent in spreading our rations, which we find are badly injured. The flour has been wet and dried so many times that it is all musty and full of hard lumps. Mmm, yummy. It's nice. Would you like a lump of flour? Oh, absolutely! It's musty, too. Oh, good, sandy flour! 
We make a strainer of mosquito netting and run our flour through it, losing more than 200 pounds in the process. Our losses leave us with more than two months' supplies. And they started with 10 months. Yeah. And now they have two months. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not like a month, like a month and a half. It's, it's quite a loss. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they started back out three days later, lots of rapids in close succession. One boat took on water, the crew was thrown into the river, and three oars were lost. They finally got out, camped on the rocks with hardly any room to lie down. They found driftwood and built more oars. Now the boats were continually leaking, so they had to stop and constantly caught them. Okay. At one stop, five of the men tried to climb a cliff to get a look downriver, but they had to turn back, except Powell. Someone throw me a wiener! <laughs> they had to turn back, except the guy with one arm. Yeah. Powell explained how he climbed up canyon walls. Quote, I climb up the walls in a crevice. I support myself by pressing my back against the one wall and my knees against the other, and in this way, I lift my body in a shuffling manner a few inches at a time until I have made it up. But he should not be giving, this is not, like, he's not successfully climbing. It's not time to impart wisdom. He keeps getting caught on the rocks. Well, he's making it up. He made it far the other guys. And the whole time he was like, I'm an inchworm. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who's got access to the facts, so I guess uh... Uh, At the top, he looked down, and the river looked even more dangerous. Bad news! <laughs> Bad news! We're going on! <laughs> Back on the river they went. Jesus! That day, Jack killed the sheep, and they were able to eat well for a bit. Fish were not biting at all on their hooks because there were so many bugs for them to eat. They were now heading down into what they called the Great Unknown. It was day 47, and they were pushing into the Grand Canyon. They had a month's rations left. So they're, okay. They had to reset the flour, and the spoiled bacon was dried. Now here's something I'm a little confused about. How are they just now drying the bacon? And um, what was going on? Was the bacon just in the boat? What's going on with the bacon? <laughs> Is bacon just laying around? Yeah. Is bacon... No, you definitely, if you're starving, bacon should take precedence over but is bacon, sifting the flour. Is bacon cured to the point that you carry it around in the wilderness? I think I'll answer from my gut and say see a guy, no. I see a guy nodding over here. Yes? Or you just... It is. You can actually just take bacon out. You can just go travel with bacon? You can have road bacon? I think we're talking about a different, an older bacon. You cure it enough that you can... Are we talking about Kevin Bacon? <laughs> So you can just roll around with uncured bacon in your back pocket and you'll be okay. He's salted. He's salted and then you can carry it around. Gotcha. <laughs> but then it tastes like shit, but I guess it keeps you alive. Sometimes you gotta reach out to the audience and ask about bacon. How many podcasts do that? Does Joe Rogan do that? No, he doesn't. Joe Rogan is not. He does it with elk. Yeah, he killed his own pig first, and then he insulted it himself, and then he told yeah. about how on the eights things that he kills himself. Yeah. This is, I grabbed this Himalayan rock salt yeah. with my own hands <laughs> to cure this elk meat that I killed with a bow and arrow. I got out of the cryophrase, and I bow an arrow at a pig, and I put it in the cryophrase, and I salted it on Joe Rogan. <laughs> Tune in, there's only nine and a half hours left of tonight's podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm a provocative thinker, but I have some uncomfortable truths. 
years might not date that well. Anyway, here's another man. <laughs> anyway, love to be on the podcast, Joe. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> um, so now they had a month of rations left. The flour was resifted, the spoiled bacon was dried, only 15 pounds left. The sugar had melted and disappeared into the river. But <laughs> man, that river water. It was like being in Wonka's factory. Yeah! I want to go back in! Flip the boat over! <laughs> but they did have tons of coffee. Oh, oh that's, that's terrible! Yeah, it's great. Just all fucking jacked up and freaked out. I mean, I fucking love that nothing's changed in this country either. They had whiskey, bacon, and fucking coffee. That's it. <laughs> Whiskey, bacon, coffee, and a dream. <laughs> That's enough. We don't need oars. I'll just stand on the back and pull my finger. With back. <laughs> we don't need a plan. We don't need oars. We don't even need an arm. We got bacon, salt, and the vision. The next day, the walls of the canyon suddenly became very narrow. Quote, we named this Narrow Canyon. Boy, just... <laughs> so this is sort of the invention of marketing, too, because the genius... The next day on the river, again, they encountered a limestone canyon that looked polished like marble. Polished marble. canyon! We marble canyon. Marble canyon. <laughs> <laughs> The party became more unhappy. Bradley, quote, If Powell does not do something soon, I fear the consequences. But he is contented and seems to think that biscuits made of sour and musty flour and a few dried apples is ample to sustain a laboring man. If he can only study geology, he will be happy without food or shelter. But the rest of us are not to an alarming extent. Wow, okay. So... They ran, uh, they ran 15 miles of continuous white water in two hours and then stopped. Powell climbed up to survey. Bad news. But up ahead was hellish white water. The, the rocks were jagged and they were black and gnawed at the weakening boats. As they neared them, it's, it was a sound like nothing they'd ever heard. They were now dealing with 15-foot waves. Wow. In little, little wooden, boats. wooden boats. Their bodies were weak from the lack of food, quality food, and they made more and more mistakes. Bradley, so the sour biscuits were not enough? No. Bradley, quote, the cook spread out all the rations to dry and was making oars when the tied-up boat was swung around by the eddy and the rope caught the box of baking soda and threw it all into the river. So now we must eat unleavened bread for the rest of the trip. <laughs> they had ten months of rations. <laughs> The cook's a fuck up. Oh, the cook is a lunatic. Cook's a fucking. Cook's like fucking Jack Tripper from Three's Company, just <laughs> dropping shit everywhere. The next day, Powell wrote the rations were spoiling. The bacon was thrown out. The flour will last just ten days. Still, plenty of coffee. <laughs> this is a hunger suppressant, so that's good. Yeah. They would now have to move fast, and if they were delayed, they'd have to abandon the expedition and head for nearby Mormon settlements. We'll take our chances. <laughs> I have one arm, and I mean it when I say it. Let's swim for it. I really... And now all the barometers were broken. Aww. Now 
not the one for how badly this is going. That one's inside. The next day, it rained like a monsoon. Jesus. The canvas was now rotted and useless. Uh -huh. Their rubber ponchos had been lost. No one had a full set of clothing. No one had a blanket. Half of them did not have hats. Oh my god. Oh. Look. We can make hats out of our pants. Boss. Boss. Yes. Why don't you kill the guys without hats? They're you basically know. dead anyway. Obviously, I'm not going to push back on a perfect plan. They we must kill them. We hit them on their hatless heads. Yeah. And we eat them. I like that a lot. Let's kill the chef. I like that kind of fancy gourmet hat he has. Oh, fuck. I want to change the plan. I want to change the plan. Uh, what do you want? I, I think the guys without hats should live. Wait, but I have a hat. And kill the guys with hats and take their hats. Oh, no. We're about to do hat v no hat? Yeah. Oh, no. This is going to be like beat it. Hat massacre. So they lost their hats, they lost their minds. Powell said that they were now getting more exhausted by the nights than by the days on the river. We didn't have our sleeping caps either, so... They kept on. They opened their last sack of flour. They turned the sack into hats. <laughs> Let's make flower hats. Mache. Well, so when I put the flower on my head, it just falls off. I don't think we can make hats out of the flower. Who said that? Mm, I think it was kind of a group decision. It's a bad one, because now we can't eat and we don't have hats. But we were so close to having edible hats. You have to see the upside. But we're going to die. Well, we were going to die the whole time. It is one of the last few days with an edible hat. That's all we wanted. Edible hats! I swear, if I make it out of here, I will invent edible hats. Mm. And that man invented edible arrangements. <laughs> What's the point of flowers if you can't eat them? Edible arrangements. Edible arrangements. Give her a melon rose. Tell her she likes to eat. Arrangements. How did this happen? Edible arrangements. What in the fuck is wrong with America? Edible arrangements. We are ready to be wiped off of Earth. Edible arrangements. So they made it uh, 35 miles the next day, and we're actually starting to have hope they made it through. Well, that was foolish. But then they saw black granite. That was a sign that hellish rapids were ahead. The sound of these rapids made the others pale in comparison. They stopped to look at the rapids. Bradley, quote, The spectacle is appalling. They looked for a way to carry their boats around, but it was impossible. The men were not happy. Bradley, quote, There is discontent in the camp tonight, and I fear some of the party will take to the mountains, but I hope not. This is the darkest day of the trip. 
After dinner, Captain Howland spoke to Powell, saying that they should abandon the river and walk to a Mormon settlement. Howland, his younger brother, and William Dunn planned to walk away from the river tomorrow regardless. In the morning, Powell woke Howland and showed him there was a Mormon settlement 75 miles away. They ate breakfast together in silence. Quote, the meal is as solemn as a funeral. Yeah, you're just chewing flour. How's everyone's morning flour? Sour biscuits. <laughs> After it, they gave... River bacon! <laughs> After they gave the three men two rifles and a shotgun and offered a fair share of rations for the men didn't think they'd have a problem finding food. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, what are you doing? Who are those guys? Now we're just going to walk out in the desert. It should be full of food. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Still, Billy left them a pan of biscuits. The men in the boats also took out fossils, minerals, and some ammunition and left them on the rocks. They wanted to head down these rapids as light as possible. Powell wrote a letter to his wife and gave it to Howland. Sumner gave Howland his watch to give to his sister. There were two separate records of the expedition, duplicates for backup. They accidentally gave Howland both copies. Oh my god! <laughs> now, here is a book of the journey, uh -huh. and a very similar one, uh -huh. and we will keep the other. Okie dokie. The duplicate. Sure. You take those ones that look the same. Absolutely. So they just had letters to their wives. They're like, well, here we are. Here's the... Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the three men begged them not to go down the river, saying it was madness and they would never get through. They all started to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Further dehydrating. <laughs> Further dehydrating. Also, just tired and... <laughs> <laughs> really sad, but it's also <laughs> just so predictable. <laughs> but it's also the best, because when you hear about, like, the great adventurers, like, yeah, they yeah. told you as they're, they're like, these heroes who decided to cross, you never really hear about them just weeping by a river for hours. <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I 
moments in it. Oh my god. I feel better. Yeah. We are now brother husbands. <laughs> Emotions are back in check. Who knows how to undo a knot like this? I just don't pull it. It's not a bow, goddammit. Excuse me, my dad was a gay sailor. Wait, what? He was a gay sailor? So he's a sailor. <laughs> yes, what did I say? Fair enough. Um quote is a rather solemn parting. Each party thinks the other is taking a dangerous course. Sure. <laughs> Fools! George Bradley, quote, they left us with good feelings, though we deeply regret their loss, for they are as fine fellows as I have ever had the good fortune to meet. The six got into the boats, they rowed until the rapids were too large, and then just held on. Luckily, neither flipped over, and they made it through. Wow. The three were watching a boat from a cliff. So the men in the boats waved up at the men on the cliff, signaling that they had made it through and that they should join them. Oh, no. No, no, no. Don't join them. They left a backup boat in case. No. But the three men turned away and walked off. Okay. Smart. Powell named this separation point. <laughs> Wait, what? Separation point. Powell named it separation point. <laughs> now he's making shit for this <laughs> Now, why is his name Tide Wiener Meadow? <laughs> Poor decision, Canyon. <laughs> they were now go, uh, they were now in it, uh, going through terrifying rapids, falls, whirlpools, and big waves. At one point, a boat was thrown thirty feet into the air. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, now it's the end of Point Break. <laughs> He's not coming back. <laughs> Eventually, a huge one, a wave went over them, then a huge wave hit and rolled over them. Somehow, Bradley got the boat right side up and they scrambled back in. It went on like this for a day. But the next day, it got easier, and the river passed out of the black granite. And hours later, on August 29th, the cliffs dropped away and they entered a valley they knew to be Grand Wash. It was over. They were ecstatic. Oh, my God. They started heading out and came across a Native American camp. Almost all of them ran off except one man, a woman, and two kids. The man was wearing a hat, and the woman only a string of beads. Oh, okay. Okay. They were like, what's up? What's going on down here at this end of the river? <laughs> Look at that guy's awesome hat. <laughs> so jealous. We're all thinking the same thing. What would it be like to get inside that hat? It's a fucking great hat, man. Athletes don't have hats. Uh, ridiculous. So, I know how to tie that. The wiener? Yeah. You guys know wiener knots? The Native Americans asked for tobacco. The men didn't have any, so they gave them a little piece of colored soap. Here you go. This is sort of like tobacco. <laughs> what we do actually have is coffee. We got a bunch of coffee. We've been drinking a bunch of coffee for like 30 days. We're just kind of like big coffee heads at this point. So actually, we don't have what you're asking for, but we do have some little black bar of soap. Plus, we have coffee. I don't know if I mentioned that. We got regular coffee. 
We got other coffee. We got a bunch of coffee. And uh, we lost everything we had to eat. None of us have eaten. We tied our wieners together. He's only got one arm. A bunch of the guys died. And the chef used a pick extra tool. And now the way we have is a bunch of coffee. <laughs> it's great. Did I say coffee? Did I say coffee a bunch? Or am I the one who thinks I'm saying coffee? I'm thinking coffee. I'm just like, coffee, 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 coffee
gonna do except go for another tour rather than stay with my wife for another hour. <laughs> It was pain, it was hell, I couldn't believe it. But enough about my marriage. Hey! Oh. Hey, don't mind me, I'm mostly harmless. <laughs> um, they set up supplies every one or two hundred miles along the river. So they brought like eight years of supplies with them? They must have. Well, they would just set them up, so they had people set them up before they went down. Like, okay. Congress gave him $20,000. He studied up on local tribes, and he was off. So they're out there, and they came across a remote tribe, uh, and they offered them food. There was pipe-smoking ceremony. Nice. Stories were told. Pal told them about the world. The chief told the story. A year before, three white men had come to the village, <laughs> starved and exhausted. Oh my god. The tribe fed them uh -huh. and pointed them to the Mormon settlements nearby. But then just after the white men left, a native from a nearby tribe came and said three whites had killed an Indian woman. The tribe assumed the men had done it, they pursued, ambushed, and quote, filled them full of arrows. <laughs> that was the end of the Howland brothers and William Dunn. Oh, William was done. Yeah, done done. It's like an episode of Lord and Order. Done done. His last words were, fuck, I knew my name. I knew it. I fucking knew it. Pal quote, that night I slept in peace, although these murderers of my men were sleeping 500 yards away. But still, pretty comfortable. The tribe named Pal Capu Rats, which meant arm off. Nice. Nice. Oh, the tribe named Pal. I thought you were going to put a tribe named Pal, like a tribe request. <laughs> we are Pal. We're a tribe named Pal. You may legally marry mollusks here. <laughs> I found my people. Pal explored the area and came across some Vermilion Cliffs, hundreds of feet high. Hey, get up those! He named them Vermilion Cliffs. <laughs> Uh, he wrote a book, the trip, uh, trip lasted three years, he wrote a book. I hate my life. <laughs> the Department of Native Affairs asked Powell to write them a report, and he said the natives understood settlement by the white man was inevitable. Quote, nothing that remains but to remove them from the country or let them stay in their present condition, to be finally extinguished by want, loathsome disease, and disasters from constant conflict with white men, they must be taught to farm to enable them to abandon their nomadic habits. And they say that travel broadens the mind. <laughs> <laughs> this is before that was invented. Yeah, right. <laughs> travel broadens your land. Wow. Yeah. wow, man. That's your message on this whole thing? Yep. Yeah! yeah. Uh, he was appointed the head of the U.S. Geological Survey in 1881. In 1883, a report on lands of arid regions of the U.S. Powell proposed irrigation systems and state boundaries based on watershed areas to avoid disagreements between states. Mm. That'll, that'll, yeah, that'll, uh... that'll come up in about 20 years. <laughs> uh, he said about 2% of land could be developed for agricultural use. The railroad companies did not agree with this. Uh, they lobbied Congress to reject his proposals and encourage farming instead because they wanted to cash in on their lands. Congress then passed legislation encouraging pioneer settlement of the American West. 
at an 1883 irrigation conference, which I love. Oh, those are exciting. You gotta get to an irrigation yeah. conference. Yeah. Those are fun. Fucking wiener time, man. Get up in the hotel rooms. Sweet irrigation yeah. conference. Have you ever been to a recon? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Big, big irrigation. I am wet. Yeah. Follow <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark, gentlemen, you are piling up a heritage of conflict and litigation over water rights, but there is not sufficient water to supply the land. In Powell's later, yeah, you should read about Arizona. <laughs> It's in the New York Times Magazine this week. You're going to kill yourself. In Powell's uh, later years, he turned to writing about philosophy. Quote, few understand these later products of Wes Powell. He suffered a stroke and died on September 23rd, 1902. He was buried in Arlington National Cemetery. Wow. Jesus. He died? It's died. Wow. That's all I was getting to the whole time. <laughs> And just before Harrison Ford could find him. Yeah. So, <laughs> he also murdered his wife. That's a, that was his last thing that he did. Get that out of the movies. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Wow. Well, you went on an expedition there, huh? Yeah. 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 I can't believe he went back to Shawshank to quote Chris Rock. <laughs> quite the move. Yeah, he did, he did it again. That's the. Yeah. That's the best bit of that. And you wrote a book about it. What was the book called? Did it? Did it say what the book was called? Sexy uh, Mollusk. Powell's book. Powell's book. Did you write about? I don't know the... if I wrote it down. I think it was probably like the exploration of the area over there. <laughs> and it's before there were like publishers. We're like, we like punchy time. We would like to call it National Lampoon's Canyon Vacation. <laughs> I didn't write it down because it was super boring. That's why I didn't write it. If it was interesting, I would have written it down. Sure. Oh, shit. What the I Emerald Mile. The book was called The Emerald Mile? Yeah. It wasn't really? Don't say yeah like that. Holy shit. Yeah, fucking dummies. <laughs> That's what I fucking love. She said that with pale white confidence. <laughs> well, knowing pal, it should have just been called a book. <laughs> So it was called the Emerald Pile. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. Uh, you're too far back, so we're going to do it. She's sassy but close. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, boy, that pipe ceremony sounds fun. Uh, no. I'll be dead, bro. Um, What's just another normal tale from uh, our roots? Yeah, normal people, Americans. Normal people doing respectful things, respecting the Native American tribes. What's going on with you? What are you? You transition. You know now we're in stand up now. What are you going, guys? Are we playing near far? Yeah. What, what's going on now? Oh, Jesus! Jay! It's like a foot. He'll be fine. He fell a foot. It's okay. If you can't make it back, we'll tie our penises together. <laughs> Dave! Show us your penis! <laughs> yeah, see? Eight people want to see it, Dave. Yeah.
Blake's going on a tour to a whole bunch of places to make this. <laughs> people listening to the dollop uh this is gareth yes the same guy i listen i have a new podcast called we're here to help that i'm doing with my friend jake johnson it's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't but we try to help people with problems that are important to them you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts and it is out right now so go listen to we're here to help with jake and gareth we're here to help with gareth and jake i don't remember how we did it but either way fun half hour comes out tuesday august 22nd and episodes will be out every tuesday and friday we're here to help oh hey there everybody it's gareth you know from this uh this podcast uh listen i've got some stand-up shows i'm inviting the garmy the gareth army to join me for i will be in fort collins colorado august 18th and august 19th i will be in minneapolis minnesota august 24th through august 26th at acme i will be going to the uk in september please join me i will be in glasgow september 13th london september 15th dublin september 17th and september 19th manchester birmingham september 20th Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.